how much of the time is spent on the PR around the infographic? Oh, a getting... lot. Weeks and weeks, for sure. Because okay. there are so many different domains. This, this is like Brian's pet peeve hour. So I think that a lot of people have an incomplete understanding of how far and wide something can go. So I would say, this might sound kind of conspiracy theory, but a lot of the world's news sites kind of run on a fundamental flywheel of business, finance, and tech. So it makes sense to have multiple concurrent threads of different stories that are happening in the overall piece. So just because you are into cybersecurity or SEO or pet food or printing or rocket ships, it doesn't matter, right? The fact of the matter is there are business outlets that might like what you're doing. There are finance outlets that might like what you're doing. And there's tons of tech outlets that might like what you're doing. And then there's culture outlets and green outlets. There are people that specialize in everything, even within gigantic newsrooms and some of the biggest sites. Each one of them has a dizzying amount of different interests. I mean, even places like LinkedIn. LinkedIn has a massive news desk that people don't think about. And we're constantly talking to them. Oh, so LinkedIn is a Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're constantly featured by the LinkedIn News Desk. And I would say one of the ways that we repurpose this, I mean, if you think about it, that sometimes I say that we do like an, everything in an orbit of an infographic. It's not just that it's an infographic that can be put into all sorts of different use cases. One of the ways that I like to share the kind of stuff that we do on LinkedIn is document sharing. A lot of people have never actually shared a document on the internet. And you might say, wow, like you've totally gone off the deep end. First, you're telling me infographics are cool. Now you're going to tell me PDFs are cool. Yeah, I actually am. PDFs are amazing because when you share it there, if a person's on mobile, they can flip through the different slides and it shares extremely well. I'd say some of that is actually some of the better shared content that we put on LinkedIn. Gets a lot of eyeballs and not just eyeballs, but like relevant eyeballs. It's a business network. So you have people that are very deep in whatever space that you're looking at, sharing it and calling that out. Right, so there's the initial blitz of marketing the the actual infographic. Mm -hmm. And that could go on, I assume, for, like you said, you said for a couple weeks at least. Oh, yeah. But then it's coming back and seeing, like, what's trending in the future around those infographics that you can use tomorrow sure. or in six months from now. And I guess that comes up a lot. We can imagine that comes up a lot, especially for certain types of clients where, mm -hmm. I don't know, I mean, there's so many examples of why it might come up where you might go ahead and like, oh, this specific event happened in the world. Now this type of data might be even more useful or presenting this type of data in a certain way might be even more useful. The question is, do you have to go back and recreate the infographic or just creating a snippet of it? It depends what you do. So this is the argument of timeliness versus evergreen. Yeah. I like evergreen because if something is relevant, if you're telling the history and future of X, you could be pushing that around on the internet by itself, so not even pushing for years to come. But if you're going to do something around something very specific in time, I guess like if it was for Earth Day or something like that, the next Earth Day, you could have new data and refresh it. So there are some people that do that also. It just kind of depends on what you're really doing. But your package yeah. is pretty much after the few weeks of marketing it, you're pretty much out and then they may come back to you later and say, you want to do another push or how's it work? Yeah, exactly. So a lot of people will just come back and do multiple campaigns is really the name of our game. Okay, cool. Sometimes we're good enough that that could be it, right? They could just be trying to influence a group of people, a large amount of people, or just one person. Just really depends on the scope. Cool. All right. Um, I know we discussed a lot about content marketing, SEO, infographics. It, all, it is all visual storytelling. Is there anything else to visual storytelling that I'm missing, maybe, that we discussed, hmm. or it's all part of it? 
I'd say it's all part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think visual storytelling is just another name for it. So visual storytelling takes different forms. A person could be a keynote speaker and they do visual storytelling. A person could be an artist and go through a museum piece. You could be talking about videos, right? You could be talking about all the metaverse and all that kind of stuff. I mean, everybody's always like, why do you do these stupid, like, one-dimensional, two-dimensional things? Like, why aren't you doing VR and AR and this R and that R? I mean, we actually did. We, I think, debuted the first VR infographic at South by Southwest in 2016, so it's not even new. But, Barry, have you ever seen, like, what it looks like behind the scenes in some of these websites? Yeah. Like, they can barely host an image sometimes. There's right. some sites that literally will not be able to serve an image or not one bigger than this. So we're intentionally lo-fi because the bandwidth of the internet is kind of sadly held together by bubblegum and scotch tape. Some things are, you know, blazing out the future, but not everything is. I mean, if you go back a, a long time ago to like the first dot-com bubble, in 1999, 7% of the US had broadband penetration. So you couldn't run anything. You couldn't have an experience. You couldn't deliver it into a pipe. But now you can. Now you can, so you can do things that are better, but not always is that true for different news outlets and all of that. So let's say we do like a really comprehensive, crazy interactive experience and all of that. Unless you have the right hardware and the right software and you're embedding it correctly and you test it 5 million different ways, it's a tough sell for the news that even wants to cover it. Right. I mean, there are cases where you could do it, especially when you could input the data in real time, which is really, really cool. But could you do like five infographics and get press in the same amount of time? I'm thinking about like you know the I mean? COVID data. Sure. Like how like maybe the New York Times had those interactive. Got it. Um, those are useful because so that's constantly updating. Let's look at that a little bit differently. So I think if we draw a line for a spectrum of what infographics are, there's kind of a little bit of like opposing views here that okay. we all don't agree. So one side is data visualization. That's kind of what you're talking about. And my area of the world, while some data visualization can be incorporated in what we're doing, is more what I like to call data journalism. And sometimes these two sides will absolutely hate each other. So the data journalists think like, why are you just making a fancy chart? And the visualization guys are saying, that's not really journalism, whatever, you know, kind of like SEOs. You think everybody kind of has their pet peeves and different things to argue about. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And, and sometimes it makes sense to do them interactively, I guess in the COVID situation, maybe. Those are really, I mean, that was really cool stuff, but it's not necessarily an infographic because it's not, it's more of like a data map. Yeah, I mean, if you had a textbook definition of an infographic, I think a subchapter of it is a data visualization. I think an infographic incorporates all of that. So I'd say it still does work. Right. There's nothing stopping you from creating that, you know, two-dimensional version. And then maybe the client says, you know what, let's make this more interactive. Whenever I hear, let's make it interactive, I cringe a little bit because that scope could be anything in the world. It could just mean that they want like something that flies out one way and it could just be like people kind of just building like a gigantic app basically. I mean, it's app development, a lot of that too. Yeah, 100%. It's, it could be app development, it could be a massive, it could be um, a Google map, 3D type it interface. It could be absolutely sky's limit. it could be something correct. like a little GIF or something. Right. So, 100%, cool. Um, yeah. So if you had to give like a lot of SEOs and SEMs are watching this. Yeah. Why would they, what are they missing if they're not thinking infographic? I think a lot of SEOs and SEMs, no offense guys, don't value a lot of design. I see sometimes the industry tries to make infographics and I think a lot of times they cut off the art. They cut off the story. They have some data points, but they don't bother to think it through in all the ways that we just walked everybody through. So I think a lot of times like 
you know, stick with your lane, right? Like I don't try to just do SEO for a living, so I don't understand why SEOs try to do what I do all the time. So I think they might need more professional help in, do they really have a good story to tell or do they just have 10 interesting stats that should have been a blog post, right? Right, that makes sense. And since this is a video, is there any yeah. type of intersection between incorporating infographics into videos in some level? You know, I think about that a lot. So we don't do a lot of video, and I'm not gonna say, but when we do, it's amazing. Sometimes they're amazing, but you know, the really good ones cost more money. I think a lot of times it's unnecessary. I think if you look at all the different ways that you would do content, if you're not regularly doing blog content and emails and newsletters and social and set the table, if you will, why would you even do infographics yet? And before you get into fancy interactives and videos, why wouldn't you do regular infographics first? So I think until you've exhausted all these other things, should you really try out videos? Like for years I've thought, maybe I should have like a really cool YouTube channel and just do like one of these things and it could make all sorts of money. Yeah, sure it can. I mean, nothing is quite that simple. And I just, I again, like to be kind of intentionally lo-fi because I'm not sure why a video is going to be that much more interesting it's interesting, yeah, because I, I actually subscribe. I barely watch anymore, but I used to watch a lot yeah. on YouTube called The Infographics Show. I've seen that too. I feel like a lot of times like it's kind of like very violent and I don't really know why. And it's like, it's just this certain narrative arc that I'm just like, I could do stuff like that, but I don't know why everything has to be so negative in the world. So I've thought about doing stuff like that before. I'll tell you though, not everybody's an, a video person, right? right? So some people, they would honestly rather scroll, right? right? And if you look at the natural scroll of where most people consume content on their mobile, you scroll past a video, but you scroll into an infographic, which is kind of an interesting way that people don't think about. And let's say a video autoplays, yeah. well, if it's not captioned or that first couple seconds doesn't get their attention, they're still gonna scroll on by. Yeah, for me, I'm yeah. like, but I, I stopped, I, I used to watch a lot of them. Yeah. Because I felt it was mostly historical information. It was a lot of like, you know. It is pretty cool. I'll give them cool some props. Stuff. Yeah. But I wish, I always thought like, I wish this was text, this was text based. Meaning, infographic text based. I don't want to sit there and wait for the guy to go through the whole story. I want to read the whole story. Like you said, scan through the whole story. Well, right? remember our textbook definition or, you know, our galaxy of what an infographic is. So video is in that galaxy. And what you're talking about is kinetic typography. So we play with that a lot too. Kinetic typography, I think is cooler because then you get to see the words. And some people are visual people. So I don't know about you, but if I'm watching like a show, I like the closed captions or I don't even want to watch it. It's weird. I can't even explain, like, I can't imagine life without closed captions. And I'm not hard of hearing. Like, I just, I like seeing it. So my brain is processing multiple threads of information. I'm watching what the characters in the show are, are talking about. And I can also see the text. So if they say something quiet or whatever, I don't have to rewind it. Or if somebody's like talking all like muttering in British, apologies to everybody who's muttering in British. But you know, for me, I'm just like, what are they saying? I can't figure this out fast enough sometimes. Well, so getting older, we can hear it. Well, so. I guess I just called myself <laughs> old. So yes, thank you for reinforcing me. No, I, I bought it yeah. personally also. Yeah. But also we can't, I assume you have little kids, also blast sure. the TV while you're trying to like, I know maybe your wife's like talking at the phone in the background. Yeah. There's yep. a lot of distractions or having those. Right. I don't watch much TV, but the closed captioning does come in handy, especially the YouTube transcripts. Um, I love a lot. Yeah. Um, so And that's part of full compliance and accessibility. There yes. are people that have disabilities that they need a screen reader to process all this information. So if How you're cutting that, that off. The infographics accessibility? Right? Yeah, so it's a tough one. So what I end up doing is, well, we're big about alt tags. So it's going to have at least some kind of summary. 
And depending on the anatomy of where it lives on the architecture of the site, what I like to do is remember that blueprint, which is all the stuff that's in the infographic. Yeah. A lot of times we'll actually have the entire blueprint as a compendium on the same page. So for Google and for humans who are equally important, some smarter than others at different points, it's really useful and satisfying for people to have all that on the page. Also for accessibility, yeah. Right, it all comes, plays hand in hand. SEO, users, you know, happy people. Yeah, it's not, it's not a single thread. It's multiple threads that go into all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Cool, yeah. well, I appreciate you coming out and talking about infographics. Yeah. Um, how Thank can you. people uh, find out more about you and your company? You betcha. Find you on social and stuff? Sure, so there's way too many people on the internet named Brian Wallace. Although I think I finally am ranking over most of them. But given how many Brian Wallaces there are on the internet, even with an I, even with like my same middle initial for crying out loud, uh, you can just find us on all socials at NowSourcing and on NowSourcing.com. Cool, thank you so much, I appreciate it. You gotcha, thanks.